Welcome to Conference Coverage Highlights, presented by ReachMD on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Conference Coverage Highlights features the latest clinical information and research findings from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists' 57th Annual Clinical Meeting. The meeting took place May 2nd through the 6th, 2009, in Chicago. More than 7,000 people from around the world attended this year's conference, including more than 3,000 medical registrants. The issues discussed were related to a variety of subjects that included patient safety, postpartum depression, cosmetic medicine, and robotic surgery. And breaking research was presented in the areas of contraception, reproductive endocrinology and infertility, infectious diseases, gynecologic oncology, menopause, primary care, and urogynecology. The incoming president of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, Dr. Gerald F. Joseph, Jr., was inaugurated at the meeting. Dr. Joseph is a senior consultant in gynecology in Covington, Louisiana, and clinical assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Louisiana State University and Tulane University in New Orleans. During his inaugural speech, Dr. Joseph discussed the issue of postpartum depression as the major theme of his presidential initiative. He said it's important to determine the true incidence and prevalence of this condition. What he termed the baby blues may affect as many as 80% of new mothers, but these negative feelings usually resolve not long after the birth. Dr. Joseph said that he seeks to answer the question of what happens when these feelings do not resolve quickly and a true major depression ensues. Postpartum depression is estimated to occur in anywhere from 5% to 25% of new mothers. The wide range is due to the fact that the definition of depression and the diversity of populations varies from study to study. Dr. Joseph highlighted the need for more precise tools in screening potentially at-risk pregnant women and a continued imperative for evidence-based guidelines for treatment. The keynote address explored the topic of patient safety. Patient safety expert Dr. Robert M. Wachter discussed practical methods that OBGYN doctors can use to help prevent medical errors in the hospital and in private practice. Dr. Wachter is an internist and professor and associate chair of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and chief of medical service at UCSF Medical Center. Dr. Wachter discussed the tendency to ensure safety with checklists, standardizations, and computers designed to improve error-prone systems, rather than, as he put it, quote, trying to improve the human condition. He urged healthcare professionals to work toward better patient safety by making their voice heard regarding policies that are not working, as well as focusing on training and simulation and the use of public reporting, hospital patient safety committees, and quality control personnel like patient safety officers. As part of the meeting's opening ceremonies, actress Fran Drescher delivered a speech directed at the OB-GYNs in attendance. In 2000, Drescher was diagnosed with uterine cancer at the age of 42. She relates the story that seven doctors attributed her symptoms to perimenopause before the eighth physician ordered the dilation and curatage procedure and biopsy that ultimately revealed Drescher's uterine cancer. Drescher has formed a foundation whose goal it is to ensure all women with cancer are diagnosed when their cancer is still at stage one, when it's most curable. In 2008, Drescher was appointed to the United States Department of State Special Envoy for Women's Health. In this capacity, she travels worldwide as a women's health advocate. At this meeting, she urged physicians to focus more attention on early detection of gynecologic cancer. A session entitled Robotic Surgery and Gynecology, Use and Abuse explored the pros and cons of robotic surgery. 
This technology is currently in use for a number of gynecologic procedures. Some of those include hysterectomy, myomectomy, vaginal prolapse repair, tumor removal, and others. For the surgeon, conventional laparoscopic surgery has some challenges that robotic surgery resolves. Conventional laparoscopic surgery uses two-dimensional imaging and difficult hand movements, while robotic surgery utilizes three-dimensional imaging and instruments that are better able to move the way a surgeon's hands moves. Obstacles to robotic surgery that were discussed in the session included the price tag. A robotic system costs around $1.6 million. Also explored were the needs for company-sponsored training and the need for a proctor for the first several surgeries. Benefits to the patients were noted. They included reduced blood loss and shorter hospital stays and recovery times. But it was acknowledged that more definitive outcomes data is needed. Dr. Arnold P. Adovinkola from the University of Michigan was one of the doctors who participated in the point-counterpoint discussion on robotic surgery. In a statement, Dr. Advinkola said that, In cancer surgery, studies show that you can obtain a better surgical dissection with robotic surgery, particularly for lymph nodes, but we don't know the five-year survival rates. He also noted that in specific cases of robotic myomectomies, it's not known what the long-term impact is on fertility. Research was presented suggesting that black women have poorer outcomes after IVF cycles using donor eggs than other racial and ethnic groups, even after adjustment for potential confounders such as uterine or tubal disease. Compared to white women, Asian and black women have poorer outcomes with IVF when using their own oocytes. The researchers were trying to find out if black women could have improved outcomes with the use of donor oocytes. Researchers conducted a retrospective study of assisted reproductive technology, or ART, data from 2004 through 2006. The data is compiled annually by the Centers for Disease Control. There were nearly 30,000 fresh donor oocyte IVF cycles without the use of a gestational carrier available for analysis from the years 2004 through 2006. Sixty percent of these cycles were analyzed. None of the cycles were indicated to be of multiple ethnicity. The findings were adjusted for factors including maternal history, infertility diagnosis, and treatment factors. Compared to white women, black women were found to be more likely to have a failed cycle prior to embryo transfer, less likely to become pregnant, and less likely to have a live birth. The rates of these events in Hispanic women were not found to be significantly different from the rates in white women. Two of the presentations given at the conference were winners of the 2008-2009 Donald F. Richardson Memorial Prize. One prize-winning presentation was given by Dr. Shirai C. Amaya, entitled Dietary Impact on Endometriosis, a closer look at the active ingredients of red wine and soy. The research of Dr. Amaya's and colleagues suggests that compounds in soy and red wine may positively affect gynecologic health and help prevent endometriosis. The researchers examined the effects of genenstein, an isoflavone found in soybeans and soy products like tofu, and resveratrol, the non-flavonoid in wine, on endometrial proliferation and activation in cell lines from immunocompromised mouse models. The mice had been implanted with human endometrium or endometriosis. They were treated with either estradiol alone, estradiol plus progesterone, or estradiol plus genenstein or resveratrol at three different doses of the compound. The researchers found that genenstein and resveratrol reduced the size and activity of the implanted endometrial tissue in the mice treated with estradiol and progesterone. Resveratrol only had a significant effect on cell proliferation at the highest dose. 
The researchers say that further studies in humans are required to investigate the role these dietary compounds play in gynecological health and disease. The second of the 2008-2009 Donald F. Richardson Memorial Prize winning presentations was given by Dr. Anthony N. Emudia. Dr. Amudia is a third-year OB-GYN resident at Wayne State University in Detroit. The presentation was entitled Retrieval of Trophoblast Cells from the Cervical Canal for Prediction of Abnormal Pregnancy. Dr. Amudia and colleagues found that early in pregnancy, the number of fetal trophoblastic cells in a woman's cervical canal can be identified, quantified, and used to distinguish normal pregnancies from some abnormal pregnancies, such as ectopic pregnancy or blighted ovum. A method similar to a pap test was used to collect fetal trophoblastic cells from a total of 52 women, 37 women with a normal intrauterine pregnancy, 10 women with symptoms of ectopic pregnancy, and 5 women with blighted ovum. Researchers found that women with normal pregnancies had a 4- to 5-fold higher concentration of HLAG-positive cells than women with abnormal pregnancies. They used immunohistochemical staining with a monoclonal antibody recognizing HLAG. HLAG is a specific antigen expressed by fetal cells. In samples from women with normal intrauterine pregnancy, the average frequency of HLAG-positive cells was four to five times higher than in women with ectopic pregnancy or blighted ovum. There was not a significant difference in frequency of HLAG-positive cells between women with ectopic pregnancy or blighted ovum. The findings of the study suggest a method for developing a simple non-invasive screening test for abnormal pregnancy like a pap smear. Researchers in Pennsylvania compared the accuracy and usability of dollar store pregnancy tests with a more expensive urinary pregnancy test. Pregnancy test kits were purchased from so-called dollar stores in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania and compared to more expensive pregnancy tests. Standards were prepared in urine using purified HCG at varying concentrations. A total of 54 pregnancy tests were run. Researchers found that both the dollar store tests and the more expensive tests accurately detected HCG at the same low levels. Also, four of the five independent observers concluded that the cheaper test was easier to read. A 24 regimen of 3 milligrams of drosperinone and 20 micrograms of ethanol estradiol may provide more effective protection against unwanted pregnancy than either a 21-day regimen of the same hormones or a 21-day regimen of contraceptives containing other progestins. Researchers conducted an international prospective-controlled, non-interventional cohort study. The study was started in the United States and was extended to several European countries. There were three study arms, 24- and 21-day regimens of drosperinone and ethanol estradiol and oral contraceptives containing other progestins. A three- to five-year follow-up of more than 80,000 women is underway. The researchers are collecting baseline and follow-up information from self-administered questionnaires. A multifaceted follow-up procedure will ensure a low loss to follow-up rate. Inferential statistics are based on Cox regression models comparing the cohorts. The researchers' interim results conclude that a 24-day regimen of drosperinone and ethanol estradiol had higher contraceptive effectiveness under routine medical conditions than a 21-day regimen of drosperinone and ethanol estradiol or oral contraceptives containing other progestins. Cesarean section rates are significantly higher in states that show either a current or brewing medical liability crisis, even after adjustments are made for other known cesarean section risks. Researchers conducted a cross-sectional observational study utilizing population data to determine whether state-specific cesarean section delivery rates differ by classification of the medical liability climate. 
Individual states were classified as either in crisis, crisis brewing, or not in crisis in terms of medical liability climate by criteria established in 2004 by the College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Cesarean section rates were gathered from the National Center for Health Statistics Natality Database. The study also used state demographic and population data from the National Center for Health Statistics and the U.S. Census Bureau. Fourteen states were categorized as in crisis, eight were categorized as crisis brewing, and 28 were categorized as not in crisis. In 2004, the mean state cesarean rate was 28.1%. The researchers found an increase in cesarean section rates in states classified as in crisis or crisis brewing. Researchers concluded the higher rates of cesarean sections were shown in states classified as either currently in the midst of a medical liability crisis or at crisis brewing status. According to researchers, this higher rate of cesarean sections may reflect a pattern of so-called defensive medicine in response to physicians' concerns over medical liability. Finally, researchers report that perimenopausal and menopausal women who use black cohosh extract therapy sold under the brand name Remy Femin are likely to report support for the regimen from their health care providers. The study was funded by Enzymatic Therapy Incorporated of Green Bay, Wisconsin, which manufactures Remifemin black cohosh extract. Several of the study's authors disclosed financial relationships with the company. The researchers conducted a web-based survey to identify perceived attitudes from healthcare practitioners toward the use of the herbal supplement isopropanolic black cohosh extract by their perimenopausal and menopausal patients. They analyzed surveys from nearly 700 women who said that they used the herbal supplement. Nearly 65% of the respondents were women between the ages of 35 and 45. Two-thirds said that they had discussed their use of black cohosh for menopause symptoms with their health care provider. Almost one-third of the women reported that their physician had specifically asked about the women's use of dietary supplements. Just over half of the respondents said that their physician was supportive or very supportive of their decision to use black cohosh. A little under half said their OB-GYN was their primary source of information on menopause, and about 16% said their family practitioner was their primary source of information on menopause. About 90% of the respondents reported that they were satisfied or highly satisfied with the supplement, and just under 90% rated the black cohosh supplement as effective or highly effective. Just over one-third of the women said that the single most important reason they took the herbal supplement Black Cohosh was to avoid the need for hormone replacement therapy. Thank you for listening to conference coverage highlights from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists 57th Annual Clinical Meeting in Chicago. Conference coverage highlights is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com and powered by HealthDay.